I'm going to uh, have you start today in Hebrews 11.5, and uh, we're going to continue <clears throat> a series that I started two weeks ago uh, called Walking with God. In a brief recap, uh, in the sermon two weeks ago, uh, we talked about Enoch, and the testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God. It says, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. So the picture painted in Hebrews 11, 5 says this, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So consider that picture for a moment. The picture that's painted implies that Enoch pleased God because his faith in God was absolute. He said it by faith. Then he follows up in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Amen? And so, he pleased God because his faith in God was absolute. God's word, God's command, God's will governed his life completely. Even to the point of God taking him from the earth. Let's look at verse 5. Again, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, Holy Spirit highlighted something to me in this verse that I've been glossing over for years probably 30. Lord have mercy, I can say 30 years ago now. And here it is. Enoch was taken up by faith. It's easy to gloss over. He was taken up by faith. For Enoch to have been taken up by faith, that means he knew in advance. This wasn't something that God just did that that, that Enoch wasn't prepared for. That means before God took him up, God communicated his will on the matter, and Enoch said yes to God's will. Even though God's will for him was beyond his human comprehension. He lived a life of obedience to God. He lived a life faithful to God. Fully trusting in God. What God's word said was his command. What God's will was superseded his own. Even to the point of God saying, can you imagine how that conversation went? Just like God spoke to Abraham about his son Isaac. Just like God spoke to Mary, the mother of Jesus, about what his plan was concerning her and her birthing the son of God fantastical things that are beyond human comprehension yet both of those individuals in that conversation yielded to God even though they could not fully understand what God was telling them what God was requiring of them how many of us in this day and time we we feel a need we feel an entitlement to understand to know if God can help me understand how this works in the plan, then I and, I, and I agree to it, then I am full steam ahead. But if what God is doing doesn't make sense to me, then it's, it's hard for me to trust him there. I can't have been the only one who has struggled with that in my walk with the Lord. I can say amen to that one. Because that has been at times in my life where I felt like, God, give me understanding here and then I'll commit. But as I grew in the Lord, I had to say, okay, God, I hear what you're saying and I don't see how it's going to work, but I know this is you. So I'm going to walk with you here in faith, trusting in you. I don't have to understand. I don't have to be in control. You are in control. And so I can just put my trust in you because you're faithful. All my life you have been faithful. 
And so Enoch, imagine how that conversation goes. As God communicates to Enoch, you know, how pleased he is and, 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 and commends him for his walk with him. And he says, you know, I got, here's my will concerning you, son. I just want to, I'm going to take you up. What does that even mean? It's appointed unto every man to die. So you're saying, I'm going to die? No, I'm going to take you up so that you not see death. I don't understand how that works. Where am I going? How is it going to feel? What, what? How does this work? All these things. Uh, I don't know how the conversation went. It must not have been important because the Bible doesn't include all those details. All that matters is that God communicated his will concerning him. I want to take you up that you should not see death. And it says he did it by faith. Enoch was taken up. That tells me that Enoch, when God presented this fantastical thing to him, he said, yes, Lord. And there might have been a time like the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was saying, Lord, is, if, if there's another way, if there's a plan B. But every time he said that, he concluded it by saying, but not my will be done, but your will be done. I'm sure there was a time in processing and questioning and wondering in Enoch's heart, but he settled in his heart, not my will, but yours be done. I don't understand this, God, but I say yes. And so... He said yes to God, even though God's will for him was beyond his human comprehension. It brings us today. Noah also walked with God. And he pleased God. Let's stay in chapter 11 of Hebrews and go to verse 7. And then we'll talk about Noah today. It says, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And I thought about that last week's or two weeks ago, the testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God. It doesn't give us a whole lot of details about him, but it says by faith he was taken up. He pleased God. He lived a life of faith in a way that pleased God. We can live a life of faith that doesn't please God. You want to know I'm going to contrast here. When Jesus came, and he ministered for those three years that he was on the earth. It's interesting to me that the, the difference in reactions between the religious and the unreligious. Those who were pretty much looked down upon in society because they were obvious sinners. They indulged in sins of the flesh. You're talking about prostitutes, adulterers, fornicators, tax collectors, all these corrupt tax collectors, all these people knew when Jesus was preaching the truth, when Jesus was ministering, they were convicted. They knew they were sinners that need saved by grace. The harder ones to convince were the Pharisees and Sadducees who were, who were people of faith or people in the, in the religious community whose sins were not of the flesh. Theirs were sins of the spirit. Theirs were sins of the heart, sins of the attitude. Those who thought that they were right with God, yet they were not walking in fear of the Lord. Are you hearing me? And I think that's a, that's a cautionary tale. We need to be mindful of that as the people of God, that we continue to walk in fear, reverent fear of the Lord. That's the testimony of Noah today. It says he was warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, yet in reverent fear of God, he did what God told him to do. He acted in faith out of a reverent fear for God. If you don't take anything else from the message today, at least take that. 
And I know we, we kind of dilute it a little bit by, we say reverent fear. We want to minimize and say, no, we shouldn't be afraid of God. And, and, and I, and I get that. However, God is awesome. I, I don't think it was just reverence when Jesus said, don't fear those who can kill the body. Fear God who can kill the body and afterwards put the soul in hell. God is not to be trifled with. God is not mocked. All right. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but, but we need to have a reverent fear of God. And, you know, I remember as a child, Mom, my mother made sure that we did not trifle with her. She loved us like no other, but there were consequences to our actions. From the time that I was little, she loved us, she praised us, but when we were wrong, we were wrong, and depending on the severity of that wrongness, we got appropriate punishment. Maybe a little beyond appropriate in my opinion, but that's a, a conversation for another day. I didn't understand as a, as a, as a, as a boy, I didn't always understand why mom's rules were what they were and why I had to do things that, that the way that she wanted me to do them and why I couldn't. I didn't have that understanding, but I did know that if I did not obey those rules, that there was a consequence. And so I knew my mother loved me, but, but, but there was a fear of crossing the line there too. And I think it's okay. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And so it's okay. As we begin life, there's good, that fear a lot of times is what's needed to keep us in line. But as I grew up, and I grew tall enough that I could look down at mama, I got a little bolder, but but when I got bold, I made sure mama didn't know, because I might be bigger, I might be stronger, and I might have looked down at mama, but I still knew not to mess with mama, <laughs> right? But the But the objective was... I didn't know what I didn't know. Mom was authoritative. She was instilling certain standards that she was going to hold me accountable to. But that that was the beginning of it. I I had to walk in fear of consequence that if I didn't do what mama did, there was going to be consequences for it. But as I grow and mature, the hope is that those principles that mom was instilling in me become my own. And I'm doing my, my motivation is to honor. My motivation, I now should understand the reasoning behind those things and I see the love in it. And so I can respond, I can have a reverent fear or an honoring of my mother and the things that she taught. Same principle applies in the Lord with that, that reverent fear. We may begin with fear. Of course we're going to because if we don't, if we minimize the fear aspect, we're minimizing what Jesus saved us from. Because there is a real consequence, an eternal consequence. Those who die outside of Christ will end up in the lake of fire. There is judgment coming. It's not fun. It's not exciting. It's not full. We don't like to raise our hands and praise because that, 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 that's a fearful and a dreadful thing. But it is a real thing that, that, that we need to be presenting as part of the gospel message because that's all a part of the gospel package. And if we can make that vivid, then it even becomes a greater picture as to the sacrifice of Jesus and what it is he saved us from. I I, I just trust someone needed to hear that, but the motivation here is that reverent fear is what motivated Noah 
to obey God. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's only the, it's the beginning of wisdom. That's the start. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Psalm 147 verses 10 and 11. I really like this. It says, he delights His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. So we can infer from that that the Lord was pleased with Noah. Who walk with God and obey God in reverent fear. So in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I'd like us to go back to Genesis chapter 6 and we'll start at the first verse and I feel like it's important that it's important for us to do this. I, I, I want to start at verse one because it gives us an idea about the environment that Noah lived in. It says, "When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive." And they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be a 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. For I am sorry that I have made them. But. Everybody say but. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, before I go into Noah, verses 11 and 12, to get a little bit more insight into that environment. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. Kind of sounds like a lot of what we're dealing with today, doesn't it? But I just wanted to point this out, that Noah, it is possible for us, and we're called to do it, it's possible for us to walk in faithful obedience to God and be honoring to God and be pleasing to God even if all heck is breaking loose around us. And Noah pleased God. Noah walked in reverent fear of God when the whole of humanity in that time was corrupt. Every thought of their hearts was evil always. And yet you have this remnant, this man and his family that is committed to walking with God, not going the broad way that leads to destruction, but walking in reverent fear of the Lord. God's going to wipe out the whole earth. But there's one man who found favor with him. And his walk with the Lord, 
his faithfulness to God, his fear of God. God did a work in his life that through him, we've all been the beneficiaries of. We've all been blessed because one man feared God in a generation that did not. Why am I saying this? You know, I feel, I feel led to speak to this because there, there seems to be a dread in us as believers when we look out at society and we think that, that, that all the evil and all the corruption and all the things that are out there, we, we, we think that they're so bad that it feels like God is not in control. We say he's in control, but, but, but our emotions tell us something different. God always has for himself a remnant. You and I, if we emulate Noah and walk in reverent fear of him, so God can speak to us. Now, notice Noah wasn't out there trying to, uh, you know, trying to conform and make people do this or do that. He was just walking with God. Are you hearing me? He was just walking with God. He did what God told him to do. He went where God told him to go. Because he trusted that God was in control. God knew best the path forward. And his main concern was, God, what is it you require of me in this moment in time? Whatever you say to me, command it and I will obey. He wasn't distraught over the conditions of the society because he feared God. And I want to encourage you that it doesn't matter how bad things appear. It doesn't matter how passionate these messages get presented to you that say, we need to be worried about this. We need to be fearful about this. If we don't do this, things are going to take over. No, it's not because there's only one God. There's only one throne and he sits on it. And it doesn't matter what corrupt, the corrupt world does. God's will is going to come to pass. He has a calling and election in all of us that is sure. It doesn't matter what opposition we might face. No weapon formed against us is going to prosper. Do we really believe that? I think it's important for us to so that we can stay in our lane and let God be God and be used of him in the way that God wants to use us for his glory, even if we don't understand how everything fits together. We don't have to because he does. All we got to do is understand our part, what God has for me to do, and then follow that you know, follow God's will for your life in obedience and reverent fear. But that environment was totally corrupt. No one feared God. No one walked with God. Everyone, every thought, every emotion, everything was evil. So much so that God said, you know what? I got to do something about this. I regret having made man. Think about that. But Noah found favor. And what does it say in verse 9 about Noah? These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Isn't it amazing? He heard God. He walked with God in an evil societal environment. And because he did, his obedience to God led to the salvation of his entire family. And the continuation of mankind in God's creation. Skip on down to verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. 
This is what Hebrews was talking about. And God talked to Noah about the things that were going to come to pass. He said, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. First of all, before I go, I had to underline that and bold it because he's saying, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You and I would have some concept of what that is today. It's been done before. There's a blueprint. We know about rain. We know about flooding. We know about boats and how important they are in order for traveling on water and everything. But we got to look at it from Noah's perspective because up to that point, there had never been any rain. Up to that point, there had never been a thing called a flood. There is no concept in his mind about what these things are that God is talking to him about. All right? There, there is no way for him to comprehend and understand what God is talking about. To, to that, that, that is a hurdle. Those, the, those things that cause us to either have no faith or have little faith are, are those things that we don't understand. And God is saying, I want you to build an ark of gopher wood. First of all, what is an ark? Okay, what, what is an ark? Uh, what, what should it look like? What will it do? How do I build it? There are tools for everything nowadays. There were no tools back then. God is having to, he's giving him instructions on what he should do to construct something never seen before that he has no blueprint or concept of in preparation for an event that he has no understanding of and a level of destruction, a catastrophe that he has no idea, no concept of. All this stuff is completely foreign to him. Imagine the level of trust that he has to have in God and the reverent fear that he has to have in God for him to even undertake what God is saying. Much, I mean, for him to even, I don't know, for him to get the word okay, <laughs> yes, Lord, out of his mouth, it, 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 I, I, just, I, I just try to get myself in the moment with that person to try and feel like what must, that, what must have been going through his mind? What must he have been feeling? Uh, how confused must he have been when God approached him with this? Because we can make the mistake of taking our current understanding and interpreting those events, you know, as though they were more recent. You know, we need to try and go back to where they were and really understand the challenges that confronted that person that they had to overcome in order for them to do things in great faith and obedience to God like Noah did here. So make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And we'll skip on down to verse 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But, everybody say but. I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And Genesis 6.22 says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. I'm not going to keep y'all long today. I just wanted to, I guess the faith characteristic, you know, faith is, is, uh, multifaceted. Walking with God requires, it, it requires faith. It says without faith it's impossible to please him. Uh, uh, Enoch pleased God. He walked with God until God took him up. It says here, Noah 
walk with God and he walked with reverent fear of God. And his reverent fear helped him posture himself to be obedient to God even in an evil and perverse generation. Even when God presented something to him that was beyond his human comprehension. I can't I can't guarantee what God is going to tell each and every one of you, but I will tell you this, that there is going to come times in your life when God it makes it obvious that he is leading you down a certain path, that he is speaking his will to you, and you know in your heart, and you're convicted in your heart that it is God that is speaking, that it is God's will, and, and it makes no sense to you. It is not... It's not compatible with the events that you see around you. God is going to tell you to come out of the boat and walk on the water. Even though you don't know how that can come to pass, he's going to say, come, get out of that boat and walk toward me. And guess what? You're going to be able to do it. And I I, I, I wanted to point this out because I'm going to try to put this in a practical way. There were times I had a strength and conditioning coach here at OSU. His name was Rob Glass. And, and, and he was borderline maniacal. And he was determined to chisel us, to mold us, to make us the best that we could possibly be. And he called us out time and time and time beyond what we thought our limitations were. And there were times I would look at that weight or I would look at whatever that deal he wanted me to achieve was and I was like, he's got to be crazy. I can't do this. I can't do it. And he and he's saying, you can do it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you're going to do it. I, I know you have the ability to do it. And I've looked at it and I've already psyched myself out. He's crazy. And in every time, once I got through that hurdle, you know, I looked at it and I see all that weight on there. And I was like, okay, you're telling me I'm 198 pounds, just a couple of pounds smaller than I am right now. And, and you're telling me that I can max squat 600 pounds. That's what you're telling me. I could see a linebacker, a defensive lineman doing that. And I'm looking at all those plates on the bar. And I'm like, you are out of your mind. I looked at the weight and it just intimidated me. I eventually did that weight. I think a lot of times that's how it is in our walk with the Lord. That we get to a point and God is wanting us to do something. He's speaking to us. He has a call in our life that's greater than us. And he's pointing in a direction he wants us to go. And we look down it, and we're like, he's got to be crazy. We don't, we, we don't say that about God because that, you know, that's. But in our minds, that, that's the attitude. It's like, I can't. Comes out of our minds before we even try. Isn't that what Moses struggled with when God told him to go to Pharaoh and set my people, tell him to let my people go? So I can't do it. I can't talk that good. I have a speech impediment. Guess what? He did it, didn't he? Gideon didn't think he could do it, but he did it, didn't he? All things are possible to them that believe. Because what David understood something before he faced Goliath, that God was not limited by his limitations. I said God was not limited by his limitations. He feared God. Oh, okay, sorry. He feared God more than he feared Goliath. Think about that. 
Men of war, seasoned men of war, fear Goliath. But this boy who feared God had no fear of Goliath. That boy slew Goliath, not with a sword, not with a spear, but with a rock and a sling. And we remember him today because he lived a life fearing God, walking with God in reverent fear and obedience. And he did not fear man. He did not fear obstacle because he knew the mightiness of his God. Uh, Genesis 7, 1 says that then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I wanted to say that because he, he, we know the story. He went into the ark. The rains came. The flood came. Everyone perished except for Noah, his wife, his sons, their wives, and all the animals that he brought into the ark with him. When I finished the series, just highlighting at least one faith attribute in the walk of the three or four individuals that I'm going to be covering, then we're going to talk about faith. Obstacles to it. Things that challenge our faith. uh, The thoughts and attitudes that limit our faith. And the, the 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 kind of faith that the, the perfected faith, the mature faith that people like Enoch and Moses and and, and Noah and, and, and Abraham all walked in. You walk with God. I walk with God. And I know we do the best that we can. Not always, but we tend to do the best that we can. I want to uh, conclude going back to what Hebrews said about Noah, that out of reverent fear, he constructed the ark. He did what God told him to do. Reverent fear. A respect, an awe. And I dare not disobey the Lord in that. A, a, certain, a certain dread, a certain conviction that I must obey God in this. And just to be a little bit transparent, and this may help someone, and it's probably why it spoke to me so strongly, because there have been times in my life where I have struggled repeatedly with certain sins. And I would try to, you know, uh, I, I vacillated from guilt, shame, repentance, recommitting it, you know, wondering Man, what is going on here? Um, why am I having such a hard time here? Well, I realized that was a time in my life where I was heavy on the love of God, but I didn't really fear God. I wasn't walking with God in reverent fear. You know, 
there were consequences that would be associated. If I'm, if we're walking in sin, unrepentant, if we're walking in blatant sin, there needs to, then, then we need to fear God. That not only affects our confidence in Him, but God is going to deal with us in those areas. And God dealt with me in those areas in such a way that I had to get to a point to where, you know what? Yes, I need to do this because I love him. But in this area of my life, I'm not loving him. And and for me to get jump started here, I need the fear of God. I need to know the truth of God here. I need to be convicted along along those lines. And, and, and I need to know that God is going to deal with my heart and try to woo me into righteousness in this area. But if I refuse, he's going to spank my body. He's going to deal with me. And don't tell me that that's not love. Don't tell me that that's not love. That is a loving God. It would not be loving to, 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 to leave me in that situation and not let me suffer the consequences of my sin. I hope that makes sense. So I'm not going to gloss over it. You know, if I'm going to tell an unbeliever that you're dead in your sins and God's going to judge you in that sinful state, then I'm not going to fail to tell a brother or sister in Christ if they're in sin, you need to repent. We need to live a life of fearful reverence before God because we are we should always be growing if our love of God you know perfect love casts out fear I get it but I'm not always perfect in love are you hearing me okay God is perfect in love but I'm not always perfect in love Perfect love cast out fear. But what if I'm not walking in perfect love? If I, if I was perfectly loving God, I'd be walking in obedience in these areas. I'd be laying these things down, the sin and shame and so forth. I'd be laying that sin down and walking in righteousness because he's enabled us to be able to do that. So, I, I don't know, um, I'm kind of off the rails here a little bit, but I just, wanted, I, I just want to let you know today, God loves you, he lo- but he, he loves you too much to let you stay in sin and disobedience. He's going to try and deal with you. He's going to deal with you. And I would say that the thing that we can learn from Noah is, is to be in our prayer time, in our approaching of the Lord. Say, Lord, teach me how to walk in reverent fear of you all my days. I want to be like Noah. When you, can, when you make me aware of an area that I am out of line and out of pocket with you, Lord, that that I'm not going to rationalize. I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to ignore, but I'm going to embrace your truth and I'm going to take it and be under conviction and I'm going to confess that sin and repent so that I can walk with you humbly in reverent fear. I believe that as we as his church body take our cues from Noah and walk in reverent fear of God and focus less on the exterior and focus more on the interior, on us, that we will hear God and be able to have a greater impact in our generation because we'll be doing what God commands us to do. So I would challenge you that way. What is your motivation? How much of what you do is rooted out of concern and fear 
of what's going on in this day and time in our generation? How much are we asking God to bless that which didn't come from his lips? Noah did what God told him to do. It made sense to nobody in his generation. No one knew why Noah was building what God had him build. Scripture says that up until the day that Noah entered the ark, people continued to marry and be given in marriage. People continued to, to enjoy, uh, rejoice and enjoy themselves. And as soon as that door closed, then the rain started and the judgment came. No one understood it. Noah didn't understand it, but God said it and Noah did it. What is God saying to you? Not, not about someone else, not about the nation, not, not, not about what's going on in some other state or some other country or some other group of peoples. What is God saying for you to do in this generation? What ark is he calling for you to build for you and your family? What is he saying to each and every one of us? Is God speaking? Are we opening and inclining our ears to what God is saying? Are we turning off the noise? Are we are, are, are we blocking out the fears and the negative thoughts and, and, and all those concerns? Are, are we putting them in their proper place and, and setting ourselves apart to hear what God is saying to us individually? God, all that stuff is going on all around me. I feel pressed on all sides. And I feel like there needs to be a lot of stuff done. Something people need to do stuff. We need to do something to address this group over here and, and, and this issue over there and this policy over there, we need to do something about these things. No, no, no. The only thing we need to do is hear what God is saying to us and obey him and be righteous and blameless in this generation before him and, and, and obey what God says. Praise God. So God, God has those that are called into uh, the political sphere. He has those that are called into the business industry. He has those that are called to the ministry. He has us called in all different walks of life. But we need to be focused on, okay, God, in this evil, perverse generation, my focus, my perspective, I can't let it be skewed. My focus and my perspective is on you. And I would encourage you that way. Put your focus and your perspective on God. Not, and, and, you know, get into his word because you got to know his word. But get into his word not for somebody else. Get into his word so he can speak to you. As to what he is calling you to do. Where he's planted you. And what he requires of you. Let him speak to you so that you, like Noah, can move forward in reverent fear of the Lord, not fear of all that's going on. Does that make sense to you? I think that's what we can learn from Noah, even in the evil of that day, which seems to be more evil than it is today. I, I don't know. It may just seem that way to me, but... Uh, Thank God that he promised never again to uh, flood the earth. But we need to be hearing God for ourselves. Not for everybody else, for ourselves. And we need to be walking in obedience to what God has said to each of us. Individually. And walk with him. In reverent fear and faithful obedience. I'm going to ask you to stand. Are you. Walking with God. In reverent fear. 
How much of him are you taking for granted? Don't let the devil steal or distract or divert your walk from the Lord, your walk with the Lord. Don't let current events, don't let the voice, the many voices out there lead and direct you. Appeal to your emotions and your fears and all those things and and, and and direct you down paths that though our though your intent um, though your intent may be positive if we're not hearing from God and we're hearing from uh, voices that we're not for sure if they're of God or not some of them present themselves as their voices of God but that, that don't mean they are. You've got to be in God's word and you've got to know the voice of the Lord for yourself. And you've got to position yourself to hear the Lord, what he's saying to you and what he wants you to do. So let's take a moment and just contemplate God. And, and with that question on your mind, Am I walking, am I truly walking with you, God, in fearful obedience? It's easy for me to point the finger at the perverse generation. The world is full of unbelievers. Of course, they're going to be perverse. So, but what does God want our focus? Where does he want our eyes looking at? Where does he want our attention? He wants our attention the same place he wanted Noah's attention when he lived in the generation that was perverse and evil. Noah's attention was on God. His attention was on what God was saying to him. His attention was to please God. His attention was to, was to, was to walk with God in faithful obedience and in reverent fear. And because his attention was on God, he was able to hear God when God spoke. And he was able to obey God to the saving of his family in that perverse generation. That generation that got destroyed except for him and his family. And all the creatures he brought on the ark with him. We don't have to fear the evil that's in the world. If we, if we do as Noah did and focus on our God and what he's saying to us and obey him in it, God's protection is on us. We are in his hands. It doesn't guarantee that we won't have hardships to deal with. But being in God's will will preserve us from the destruction that is in the world. And I want to encourage you with that. If you're in God's will, you have no reason to fear. If God says build an ark, whatever that ark represents to you, you know, if you, if you'll go there with me mentally, whatever God says to you, uh, whatever your equivalent of building the ark is, that fantastical thing that God is speaking, let God speak to you. Let God speak to your heart uh, 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 apart from those things that are trying to vie for your heart's attention. Apart from all those uh, narratives and things that are out there, we need to be, we need to be pure hearted before God. Filter all that stuff out so we can hear clearly what God is saying and walk in obedience with Him. We'll be amazed at the impact we're able to have in saving souls out of this generation. That, that's what we're commissioned to do. Saving souls out of the darkness. Saving souls out of the corruption. Saving souls out of the evilness that's in the world. That evilness that will be judged. But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. 
And so we've got to work while it is day. To get as many people in the ark that God is calling for us to get in the ark. Before that day of judgment arrives. Let's keep our perspective on what is priority to God. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we humble ourselves before you and uh, we hear your, your challenge to us to walk with you, Father God, in reverent fear. In this midst of this world with so much going on, with so much junk, with so much evil, with so much volatility. It's hard to hear you, Father God, unless we purpose to do so. It's hard to know which way to go. It's hard to know up from down, right from left. Who to listen to, who not to listen to. Well, God, I, I just believe that if if we would turn off a lot of the voices that we're listening to, whether it be news or whatever other sources and, and uh, you know, those who speak uh, about uh, issues and nations and all this other stuff, it's like, you know what? I don't need to hear what everybody else says. We just need to hear what you say. Father God, really speak to our hearts. Convict us, Father, where we're out of balance. Where we're walking in fear, not of you, but of the world that we're living in. Fear of the future. Fear of current circumstances. Convict our hearts, Father God, and, 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 and help us, show us how to set ourselves apart in prayer like Jesus did. Set ourselves apart and make time to hear the only voice that really matters, which is the voice of our God. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us as we close our mouths and listen to you in our times of prayer to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us concerning our own lives and our own walk with you. And I trust that as we do that, Father God, that you will light our pathway, that you will clarify some things for us, that you will give us direction in the midst of this perversion, you'll give us direction, Father God, that will, that will enable us to be used as vessels of honor, able to reach hearts that seem to be unreachable. Able to save souls, bring people to Christ. who once had hard hearts and refused to believe. We need your guidance, Lord. We need your direction. We need you to speak to us concerning your will that we might carry out your will and have the impact in our generation that Noah had in his. And I thank you, Father God, that even now you're doing that. You are speaking to us, Father God. You are dealing with our hearts. And this room and those who are listening online will be among those who are able to walk with you in faith, in reverent fear, and who will have impact in this generation and the generations to come for the kingdom of our God. There will be souls reaped. whose names will be put in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
because we did what we needed to do to hear God. We put our focus where it belonged. We put our perspective where it needed to be by the grace of God. And we were able to be a blessing to the salvation of many. And that will be all to your glory, your honor, and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.